Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to the Leftovers Podcast. Derek Kramer. Frank and, uh, well, we're usually here every Monday and Thursday, but I got called down to the arena on Thursday. So, we have to make up for lost time here, Frank. Yeah. As in Bill's free agency. Yeah. As in the Sabres won a game. Yeah. As in the UB Bulls swept the Mac. Yeah. And with all the fever with Buffalo, why not get one of the more respected fans of the area and a man who does great things in the community? I'm talking about... Mr. Del Reed himself, the founder of 26 Shirts, Bill's Mafia, of all, amongst many, many other things, Del joins us as podcast guest. He can write that in on his, uh, on his long list of accolades. So, Del, thanks for joining us today, man. Hey, thanks for having me. Top of the list. Oh, podcast. top of the list. I'm, oh, I'm honored. I'm honored. Yes. Leftovers mm. podcast. Yes, mm. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on. Well, thanks for joining us. As as always, Dell, it's a, it's always a blast to be able to, uh, you know, run run through everything in this crazy Buffalo sports world. I mean, hell, we had Antonio. Like the last time the Sabers won a game, no, actually, it was the last time the Sabers scored a goal before uh, the four two loss earlier in the week. Antonio Brown was a Bill, and then wasn't a Bill. And going back to that, it seemed like there was a lot of defending the city and everything like that. But it seems like, what, what was your take on that, Dell? That whole Antonio Brown thing that had, that had happened and kind of allowed Buffalo fans to kind of pick up their swords and defend the city a little bit. Yeah, there was, it was uh, kind of twofold, I guess. Uh, one part of me was, really, are we doing this again? I feel like every week. Every week we're arguing with somebody about how cool Buffalo is. And then every week I tell myself, like, I'm not doing this anymore. Like, let the city stand on its own. We know it's awesome here. We choose to live here. And then the next week comes and I'm like, heck, yes, Buffalo's awesome. Like, yelling with people on Twitter and stuff. So um, I just thought it was kind of dumb how it played out, to be honest with you. Uh, there's no, we, there was no real word in terms of what. Antonio Brown's thoughts were, and so a lot of people were making assumptions that it was uh, it had to do with the city. When in fact, uh, you know, WGR's own Jeremy White had a really good tweet about this subject at some point during the past week when he said, "You know, the teams have done such a lousy job on the field or on the ice for so long now that the the narrative often." seems to think that that overflows into the actual city and the region itself, which is kind of unfair and stupid. And a, a great point by Jeremy. So I think that that's one, you know, because uh, you never hear about, you know, people complaining about how lousy Green Bay or Wisconsin is, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. they, and, you know, I don't, if there's any, you know, Green Bay residents listening right now, I apologize. But I'm guessing there, there's probably more to do in Buffalo than Green Bay. Um, but you never hear about it because Green Bay wins football games, which is kind of a really weird association when you take a step back and think about it. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, hey, Buffalo may have its weather problems, but we're not constantly in the negatives in, uh, in January. I'll take that. Nothing against you, Green Bay, but I'll, I'll, take, I'll take what I have. Thank you very much. So, but And then free agency comes along, and the Bills kind of get to work. And nine free agents – Overall, if I'm not mistaken, or they they added a tenth actually, yes. and Buffalo's kind of gotten a lot done here. The only defensive player that they signed was uh, cornerback Kevin Johnson, who was released from a team, so he didn't have to do any of the legal tampering stuff. The Bills, with free agency and the legal tampering period, they got to work with getting offensive players and really kind of showed some of the naysayers, "Hey, we can go after offense if we focus on it. So why don't you shut your yap?" <laughs> 
Yeah, you didn't hear from many of those uh, free agents they brought in, you know, anything bad about the city. And what was really cool was that you know, all these offensive guys they brought in, like what was the number one thing that they mentioned when they talked about coming to Buffalo? It was Josh Allen. They kept mentioning Josh Allen. Josh exactly. Allen. Exactly. So, um, you know, maybe that, that narrative is changing, maybe first and foremost with the team itself, and then maybe it'll reverse flow back into, oh, that region's pretty cool, actually. But uh, – now we just need Josh Allen to be good, like really good. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, <laughs> that's the, that's the easy part, right? Yeah, just just be really good, just be a really good franchise quarterback, dude. But um, it was interesting that you know I think almost every free agent mentioned Josh Allen, whether it was how they appreciated him reaching out after they signed, or even how he was the reason they were interested in signing to begin with. Yeah, I remember Mitch Morse, the center that probably is probably is the biggest ticket that they got when it comes to uh, contract and price wise. Morse was one of those players that said that Josh Allen was one of the reasons he came here because of the fact that he sees a quarterback that can help you contend for years. And like you said, the biggest thing now is, well, we just need Josh Allen to take that next step. And that might just kind of dictate alone where this staff goes from here, the general manager, the coach, the quarterback. If Allen unfortunately turns into a Blake Bortles situation, we're in a lot of trouble. And everyone's in a lot of trouble in their in their positions. But if Josh Allen does take that next step and is not Blake Bortles, please don't be Blake Bortles, <laughs> then we might have something pretty promising on our hands here. So in the midst of what has been some miserable Sabres hockey, to see the Bills really kind of kill it in free agency, getting some big ticket items, having to throw money where they had to, but then also getting a couple of quality signings that were on the cheaper side of things, it was very refreshing to see that the Bills uh, can can help back it up when the Sabres aren't picking up the mantle. Yeah, no doubt. I saw, you know, this, I guess this is going to be the entire conversation where I say, I saw a tweet that said, but it's it's so perfectly titled, you know, uh, or so perfectly said, you know, the way that the, the, <laughs> the, the calendar year works is uh, in Buffalo, people in February or March say, oh, at least we have the Bills. And then September, October, they say, at least we have the Sabres. And then you fast forward another six months. At least we have the Bills. So, yeah, they kind of pick up each other's slack. One of these days, maybe we'll have an embarrassment of riches, but wait, we got to wait on that. That would be great. Um, I'm, not, I'm not worried about it or anything. Uh, but anyway, Del Reed, founder of 26 Shirts, uh, amongst many, many other things that he does for the community, is joining us here on the Leftovers podcast. Del, somehow, though, we don't have to rely on the Bills or the Sabres right now as we – head into March Madness. We've got a pair of school teams that uh, swept an entire conference in, in the basketball tournaments. And what have you been uh, – like, what's the buzz kind of been around UB around here? Like, I mean, seeing these teams – I mean, UB is a 30-win team. They're one of two in the NCAA tournament for the men. And then the women go ahead and just – as a four seed in their conference tournament, they take no problems – you know, grab the MAC title themselves. Yeah, not to be outdone, right? <laughs> exactly, not to be outdone. And pretty much, like, the Bills had a pretty solid free agency, not to be outdone. The Bulls go ahead and sweep the MAC. Yeah, it was pretty great. I'm, I'm not going to lie and try to come off to, you know, anybody listening that I'm some big college basketball um, know-it-all or, or anything like that, but I live in Buffalo and, you know, I follow, you know, I follow the local sports teams and it's been really cool to see how this uh, UB men's team has just, just all season long kind of backed up, you know, with their expectations that, you know, that, that they had uh, before the season began. So um, it's, it's, you know, it's really fun. It's something that, you know, it's one more sports thing that kind of keeps us engaged, especially, you know, as there's no real hockey playoff, you know, watch to really keep tabs on. So it's, you know, it's one more thing that we're able to really get into. And uh, I think it's great that, you know, this season, the Alumni Arena has, like, set attendance records and stuff. And even, you know, my daughter, who normally doesn't give a rip about basketball, she's like, next year can we go to some of the ladies' games? I'm like, yeah, sure, no problem. So, it's you know, it's kind of cool that these attractions are kind of, you know, um, appearing for, you know, sports fans in, in the Western New York area, you know, young and old alike. Yeah, and by the way, if your daughter meets – Felicia Legat Jack. She will be ready to run through a brick wall. That's what that that's what that woman gets me ready to do. Anytime I hear that woman speak, I'm just like, I'm ready, coach. I'm not on your team, but I'm ready. <laughs> that woman is intense and I love it. 
And yeah. I, we had the opportunity to go to a, a season preview a few years back, maybe 2014 or so. Maybe it was 15. I think it was 14. And uh, it was just a season preview where, you know, both the, the men's team and the women's team uh, just, you know, had like a dunk contest, a little scrimmage and stuff. And uh, it, it, was, it, was, it was great. You talk about that with uh, Coach Jack and, like, yeah, I, I can see how that – she was talking to the crowd during the whole scrimmage. Get those horns up. Get those horns up. The whole crowd is into it. It was pretty fun. Yeah, she's she's awesome. Like, I like I do not – like you, I will admit, I do not know much with college basketball, let alone with women's college basketball. I'm not well-versed in any of this, but anytime I hear Coach Jack speak, I'm just ready to go through a brick wall because that's how that that's how that woman works. She's She can get her players going – and it doesn't matter what the odds are. I mean, they took on a really tough schedule this year too, and to see them win the MAC, it it is a little rewarding for for all of us that have been watching from afar at this point to see. Hey, they took on a tough schedule, but in the end, they got rewarded. So it, it's it's great to see, and we'll see what they end up with with seeding as their selection Monday. It's today, and the men's team got a six seed, which a lot of people saw was a, a bit of a slight. So we'll see what happens there. But it'll be interesting to see if they face old Bulls coach Bobby Hurley in Arizona State. Yeah, that's one thing I love about uh, the tournament is because with March Madness and everything, there's all these teams you've never heard of, at least I've never heard of or uh, very, very little familiarity with. But then all of a sudden, all these storylines come out. And that's the one thing I've always enjoyed about, you know, the whole, you know, uh, tournament in itself is just the storyline all the different little things that are going on you always have like teams that come out of nowhere and show up for a week and a half and everybody's on, on board with them because there's some underdog and then you have also you know stories like this with Hurley where you know he was the coach and now he's gone and now you know in order for UB to you know kind of get over the next hump they have to they have to um, contend with this you know this thing from their past it's, it's fun it's awesome and so Dell. Last thing that I've got for you here is uh, what kind of projects do you have coming up the uh, up the pipeline for you guys? Well, I, I don't know when this uh, this podcast is going to post exactly, but uh, it's pretty cool. We're actually been working on a, a shirt with UB for the past week or so, um, which is you know it's always fun when you can work with like the official entity or whatever. So we've actually been working with UB Athletics on a cool uh, Bulls Madness design, and today's the last day to order that because we're trying to get it all taken care of for the tournament, but. Um, and then we've got some other stuff coming down the pike, some cool projects. We've got some stuff on, uh, on deck for Dingus Day, some neat promotions with that that we've never done before. So, uh, you know, everybody just, I guess, keep your eye on 26shirts.com and see what we have coming up. All right, Dell, uh, you got anything else that you want to comment on? Uh, I just love the way that Brandon Bean has, you know, handled the whole free agency uh, <laughs> this past week, the way, just the, the, the way the organization has handled it. It's, it's so exciting, and I, I just love how they've filled in a lot of needs. Like, the whole narrative last year was all this receiving core, this receiving core. And then even after, once some of the receivers actually started to do well and make names for themselves, at least locally here in Buffalo, uh, the narrative was still the receiving core. So he addressed that, and that's, that's awesome. Uh, and just the way that everything's kind of played out, and you know, with the defense with most of it coming back from last year, I'm really excited about the draft because they can really go in any direction. Yeah, it's relaxing kind of, right, that you can just – sit there pick nine and whatever they do you're cool with it yeah i'm sure it'll be something like a cornerback and or offensive lineman actually i would have complained about offensive lineman but it'll be something where you're like oh yeah cool but yeah it's i trust being at this point we'll see how it shakes out all right dell thanks for taking the time man hey thanks as always i appreciate it man all right that's dell reed the founder of 26 shirts and uh real quick dell let the people know where they could find any of the tweeting that you will do um at Del Reed, D-E-L-R-E-I-D, and then check out that bio, and I've got a bunch of links to a bunch of different other things I'm working on on Twitter there. All right. Thanks again, Del. All right. Take care, man. All right. Always cool to hear from Del, though. I mean, the guy does so much for the community, and, you know, sometimes it's just cool to get another another person's perspective on things, you know? Like, Del is, you know, he's not, he's not necessarily media. He's not a, you know, he's not a reporter, but... The emotion. You can get another side of the emotional side of things mm-hmm. here, and uh, that's why I like talking to Dell. Dude's a he's a cool dude, great dude. Does a lot for Buffalo, and you know, when you, when you have a chance to talk to an A plus guy, you talk to an A plus guy. That's what we do. Well, we try to. We don't know too many A plus guys. 
because we're Derek and Frank. Yeah. Well, I mean, we have at least one. There's more. Yes. We got we got some we got some we peeps. Got some guys. We got some peeps. Yeah. We got some peeps. Just and, not uh, each other. Just not each other. No. No. <laughs> so All right. I got to talk about something very stupid that I did. Can you? Last week. Please do. Please go on. <laughs> I know what this is. You are taking a little too much enjoyment into this real quick. It's hilarious. Oh my god. First off, to the 207 people, the 207 of you that at one point or another on a Friday night watched me eat an entire pie, which took 25 minutes, by the way. Yeah. First off, thank you. Second, what are you doing with your lives? They wanted to watch a grown man eat an entire pie in twenty in what turned out to be 25 minutes. I don't know why you guys are doing that. I appreciate that you watched, though. And, well, now this just provides something interesting for the future if I choose to do something stupid for uh, raising funds for, like, the 11-day power play or something. Yeah. Because if 207 people decided to watch me eat a pie with no consequence... Like I said, there's there's promising roots there. Mm-hmm. I looked back on Saturday afternoon. Over a thousand times it has been watched. Nice. Why? Nice. It's me eating a pie and bitching about the Sabres. Nice. That's basically it. That's what happened. Nice. And I got to say, in the aftermath, because I did not mention anything about it, not on air, not until now, that's top five, one of the stupidest things I've ever done. <laughs> I did not think it would be, but that was dumb. That was just not smart. I, I, I swear, that was probably one of the stupidest things ever. I cannot tell you how much regret I had Friday night into Saturday morning, which I had to be here at 6 a.m. on you Saturday did. morning. <laughs> now... Oh, and I'm lucky that I picked the pie that I did. Lemon meringue pie kind of goes down easier. It's not as thick. It's mm-hmm. not as crummy. It's, you know. Yeah. It's just lemon stuff and a bunch of fluffy egg sugar on top. How are you feeling? Now when you fine. Were done? Oh, no. when I was done? Yeah. Oh, oh no. Oh, like I knew I wasn't a throw up risk. Yeah. But I felt shameful. Almost dirty. <laughs> Definitely degraded. You it's like I, it's, I it's ate like an one, entire pie. It's one of those feelings. Yeah, it's like it's one of those feelings like You could you could guess how I felt. Yeah. Very bloated. <laughs> very ashamed of myself. Very pissed at the Sabres. <laughs> Those are probably the top three emotions. I'm mad I wasn't there for it. Oh man, that was not a that was not a good time. And and Howard, actually, Howard Simon pointed out he was he was tweeting at me, which meant he watched the video yeah. in real time. Yeah. Because his tweet said He's only halfway home. He's he's looking like he's in a little bit of trouble here. I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> so I started laughing about the fact that Howard's watching this. And then I started laughing at the fact that everyone, there's a bunch of people that were watching this. Yeah. John Simon admitted that for a bit he watched it. He was Good. like, yep, that's me. I was guilty. Um, like there, there, were, there were people that said, yeah, I watched it. And, uh, you know, I don't have anything better to do with my Friday night, you know. So... One of my followers cited, you know, she had a broken leg, so she's not really doing anything. So, why go. not? Why not yeah. watch another man struggle to eat a pie? I yeah. Guess. So, again, I, I, commend, I commend all of you for doing if that. If I didn't have to work, I would have watched it, too. I, I know. I was working for you. Were, you were my initial plan for who was going to Yes, I know, because I wanted to. But. I literally said, I want to film this. But our friend and our captain for our 11-day power play team. Uh, Sam Rotella took the time to go ahead and do it. Yeah. 
Also, <clears throat> that Thursday night, I thought I was just going to be able to take care of it. Two birds, one stone kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You guys, well, you didn't play actually either, but um, our team had a hockey game. He wanted to hang out afterward. I got out of the arena, and I thought, okay, you want to go out to eat? Fine. I will order an entire pie. That'll be my food. <laughs> and then you can video me there. The waitress did not take me seriously when I said, What's up, Mark? <laughs> when I said, I need, an enti- I need to order an entire pie. She didn't take me seriously. She got me a slice. Ew. So we were initially planning on videoing it that night, but then I only got to slice a pie. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? We'll do it tomorrow. We'll do it tomorrow. Okay. I had to go buy an entire pie. Yeah. And I only bought the 7-inch pie, not the 9-inch pie. I just saw a whole lemon meringue pie. I'm like, all right, here we go. So what you're saying is... I couldn't handle another two inches, no. (laughs) That, and... We should do this again. No. And now I'll do a nine-inch pie. No. I will never do that again. You want to try You want to try this misery? Was... Go for it. I'm good. Now I need a reason to. Yeah. You might have my reason now for me to getting uh, donations all the way up for the 11A Power Play. We have yours and Sam, eating vegetables. Sam, Sam mentioned something about making a bet. About who could raise more money, and the loser would have to eat an entire pie. And it shouldn't even just have to be an entire pie; just have to eat like something. Like, but I couldn't take him up on that because I know he's like three hundred dollars ahead of me right now. Hmm. <laughs> you can't make that bet up like that. Yeah, come on. It's a serious handicap, but. There, there is something though to that, and uh, yes, I've mentioned it before. I am not below doing something stupid when I hit a thousand dollars for the eleven day power play. So help us out. It's pinned on my Twitter page at Derek Kramer forty nine. It's pinned on my Twitter page at Frank R Curry, and uh, you know, give us some help. We could use it. You know, mm-hmm. and not just we. I mean. You know, families that are uh, dealing with cancer. I went to the uh, captain's meeting, actually, a couple weeks back. And I got to meet a couple of these kids from Camp Good Days. Uh, you know, we got an interesting lecture about treatments that are that they're working on from Roswell Park. And I met, you know, families and, you know, people from Make-A-Wish Foundation. So it was uh, it was an interesting perspective. To go ahead and be at that meeting and see what it's all about and see some of the roots of uh, what we're raising money for. So, you know, it was pretty good to uh, good to take that in and get a little m- bit more information on that. So, you know, if you if you don't know what you're donating to, that's that's what it is. It's for Roswell. It's for treatments for Roswell Park. It is for trying new breakthroughs there, getting the equipment that they need for new ways to try to take on cancer and then there is the make-a-wish foundation you know helping kids get to uh take their minds off of the disease and uh you know you see you see things like that all the time you know like in the news or something like that you know Mm -hmm. like the sabers will do a player profile kind of thing and you know they're hanging out with uh with kids with the make-a-wish foundation and then camp good days uh you know it's for people that you know, are dealing with cancer, but it's also for the families that have lost people from cancer. You know, they, they help those people out. They, you know, just like Make-A-Wish, they help take your mind off of the constant crappiness that you have to deal with when you have someone who is dealing with cancer. So absolutely get that stuff. You know, that's what, that's what we're playing for. Yeah, that is. And I'm glad to do it. And I am glad that I have to do it twice in 12 hours because that's nothing. <laughs> I get to immediately put perspective on it and say that I'm playing hockey. Yeah. 
And the worst part of me playing twice in 12 hours is going to have to be putting on my gross equipment one, 12 hours after, not even 12 hours, less than 12 hours after I have just sweated for three hours. That's going to be gross, but I don't care. The perspective is still there. Before. <laughs> that's the this, worst. This, that's going to be the do- worst part. we're doing that at 6 a.m. Yeah, that's going to be the worst part. I'm going to be putting my gear on at 5 a.m. and I'm going to be like, eh, there's yeah. still sweat on it. That's yeah. it. I get a new jersey, though. That's nice. Yeah. So I don't have to worry about two jerseys. I mean, putting on the same jersey, which would definitely be soaked from water because I'd be drinking a bunch of water. So there's mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, those are, compared to who we're playing for, those are first world problems. Yeah. So. All right, Frank. It's March Madness time. Yes. And it all begins. It all begins. The round, uh, the first round, which is that uh, the play-in round. Tomorrow it's be interesting. and Wednesday. Which the Bulls have some, uh, they have something in this. They have some, they have some weight to this because one of the playing games is an 11 seed, Arizona State and St. John's. And therefore, Buffalo is going to be playing a team that will just have played. So I'd imagine that's not going to be too easy. That would have just played and has to travel because the playing games are in Dayton. They're in Dayton, and they have to go west. Yep, and then they got to go to Tulsa right after. The nice thing is for Arizona State and St. John's, whoever wins that game, they at least get that extra day off because you because they play then they would play UB on Friday. Whereas their game is either tomorrow or Wednesday. So you get at least at least one day off yeah. for travel. Which would which would help them and you know help kind of create a little bit of a competitive advantage there. I'm a little surprised that the Bulls actually got a six seed. They've been ranked in the top twenty most of the year. The top twenty five ever since they got in on the second week of the They've season. They've been ranked for eighteen straight weeks. Yes. Yeah. Ever since they beat West Virginia, they've been nationally ranked. Yeah. They didn't leave it no matter what. Yeah. How does that not make you one of the top 20 teams in the nation? I'm not sure. Because reasons committee is At the time that they got this seed, they're the 18th ranked team in the nation. Yeah. That should land you at least a five seed. By by, By math alone. That should get you at least a five. Because if you end up in the five seed, then that means, well, you're one of the top 20 teams in the nation. Instead, they think you're like 21 to 24. Despite your national ranking of 18. Math is hard, I guess. But anyway... Frank, the brackets are out. Things are going to be interesting. It's a little unfortunate that uh, St. Bonaventure couldn't make it back to the dance either. They lose in a very hurtful fashion. But you know what? They in had the Atlantic a heck of 10. a run. Yeah, they, they made it a heck of a run in the A-10. And, you know, I don't blame them for trying to go for the win. One of their better players in Courtney Stockard followed out. You're down by, you're down. You decide to go for a three instead of driving for two and playing for overtime. I respect it. Yeah, and it's just it. It's unfortunate. It hurts, but well, what are you gonna do? Would have been nice for them to get one of those. By the way, the five seeds. I'm looking at all of them: Auburn, Wisconsin, Marquette, and Mississippi State. Yeah, I get Marquette. They beat UB. But even then, they were not that good down the stretch. Yes, but I can at least see where the merit is because Marquette, like UB, has been ranked most of the year. Yeah. And they beat UB. Therefore, I don't blame them for this one. But, I mean, I'm not going to get super salty about something that I don't truly know about. But what I do know is that UB has been 
very solid all year. So, Frank, the true madness starts on March 21st. Thursday. I can't wait. And which means on Thursday, Frank, we're going to come in early. Do a little predictions. We're going to pick our brackets. Let's do it. Can't wait. That is Thursday. Can't wait. Does that mean I'm punting on the baseball preview again? Yes. That's okay. This is more time relevant. Yes. But there is some, like, I kind of want to dive more into the Bills with the free agency and what they'll end up doing now in the draft. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Bills signed at this point now 10 free agents. Only one is defense. They, they've gone after the offensive line very heavily. They've signed now, I do believe, four in free agency. They added Spencer Long before free agency started. Yeah. They're serious about retooling this offensive line, and they should be. Yeah, they are. I'm excited to see where they go with this. They can go best player available in the draft, and that's something that this team tends to do anyway. Yeah. And now here's the big thing is that they the best- nobody's perfect, so there's going to be fans mad if you draft a defensive tackle. But if they do that, most of the fan base is just going to nod their head and go, okay, okay, okay. It's very Wilkins like- from Clemson, the defensive tackle, he's a yeah. beast. I like that pick. Oh, Ed Oliver fell to us at number nine. I'm cool. It's still very likely that the guy they get at nine will be best player available and will also address a position to need at the same time. Matter of fact, as you talk about defensive tackle, which is a position of need for the for the Bills, they only have really three. Matter of fact, Ed Oliver has been uh, mentioned as a pre-draft visit. Yeah. So the Bills do believe that he could be there within striking distance at nine. There's, And Ed Oliver, last, heading into last year, was seen as a possible top five pick. Potentially second overall. Potentially second overall. Behind Nick Bosa, yeah. He was even seen as a guy that people had to watch on the Heisman list. Yeah. Then his power-hungry coach got pissed at him when he, when he wore a coat when he was injured and inactive. Ugh. Which, Major Applewood, I will never forget your name, nor your stupid action. Mm -hmm. So take that. I know who you are, Major Applewood. But Ed Oliver at pick nine would be awesome. That would be fantastic. You're getting a true disruptor in the interior. Yeah. Something the Bills have lacked a little bit. I mean, Kyle Williams could do it, but, you know, he was a rotation, like he was getting into a rotation with his age. Yep. And also, people could focus on him. They had to focus on him and Jerry Hughes. That's that's what defensive line. I mean, offensive lines have had to do against the Bills over the last couple of years, because no one else is really doing anything production wise. The Bills now can go in any direction at pick nine, and I am giddy for it. Really, it's they also expect Josh Allen to get better as yeah. a passer. Yeah, because Allen is a guy that we know is everyone was saying they got to get some speed at the receiver position. John Brown, oh man, okay, perfect. Okay, speed. Cole Beasley. Oh. You mean the guy who runs 7-yard crossing routes? And is great at separation? Cole Beasley? That guy? Josh Allen's going to miss him by like 5 yards sometimes. Yeah, it's going to happen. Yeah, it's it'll happen. He's not the most consistent of passers when it comes to throwing on the fly. Throwing to receivers on the fly. But they expect him to get better. Mm-hmm. They expect him to clean that up a little bit. That's what that signing tells me. Maybe they don't see a 65% completion percentage guy, but they see you got to do better than what you've done. You mentioned it earlier when we were, when we were on with Adele. You can't. Yeah, it's like you just said. You're not going to expect Allen to be 
65%, but he's his progression is going to make or break the season next year for the Bills. Not just the season. They're going to make or break and potentially, the careers yeah. of Allen, Brandon Bean, and Sean McDermott. Yeah. A lot of people could get fired for this. The only job I want Josh Allen to have claimed at this point is Ryan Gates. <laughs> <laughs> this team really does have a chance, though, to do something. And we haven't even gotten to the draft, and I'm, I'm hopeful for them being in a chase for a playoff spot this year. Do they have to make the playoffs for it to be a success? No, but there's got to be a very strict stipulation from me. It's got to be this. Nine and seven missed the playoffs? At least. At, at least. Or it's like one of those crazy seasons where 10 and six is your bubble. Yeah. And the Bills happen to be 10 and six and they're out. Yeah. That's not like that. seen necessarily as a failure. It would hurt. It hurts, but it's like. But it's also a good you did season. What you, you did what you had to. You yes. won 10 games. Does this mean that we have to return to our old friends of in the hunt? Yes. The Patriots exist. The division title is not up for grabs. Let's be real here. One of the wildcard spots very likely is going to be taken over by a West team. So you'd have you to have be, the Chiefs and Chargers. You'd have to be better than the Chargers, the Texans. The South is going to be. I don't believe in Tennessee or Jacksonville, even with Nick Foles there with the Jaguars. You'd have right, to be, but that's still Houston and Indy. But you'd have to be. I'm suspecting Indy would win it. Houston would be the uh, wild card team. You'd have to be better than either the Chargers, the Texans, the Steelers, the Ravens. Yeah. And that's just your first four. The Jets might be a little thorn in your side. You better win those games. Yep. That's at least five teams right there, and we're not talking about any surprises. The Broncos are trash. Tennessee is forever meh. But forever meh hey, can just, get you to 9-7. and seven. Hey, they just got Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> they're really banking on Mariota to be hurt, huh? Uh, or they're just they're just that scared of it. They're, they're, exactly. They're prepared for it. Yeah. They're, they're like, this time we're not coming in with Blaine Gabbert with a playoff spot on the line. This time it's going to be Ryan Tannehill. Oh, right. The Cleveland Browns are a team that you now have to look out yeah, for. Yeah, it's they're the favorites to win the North. Which is why I only said the Steelers and the Ravens. Yeah. And that's, again, without any surprises. I think Denver's trash. Oakland's Oakland. Oakland is Oakland. They might be better this year, but they're going to be Oakland. You just say you don't believe in Jacksonville. Jacksonville or Tennessee, I don't really believe in. Yep. Cincy. Cincy is. <laughs> they're going downhill. And so is Miami. And Miami is tanking. Yeah. They signed Fitzmagic, so. They're tanking. They're obviously tanking. They're tanking. They are tanking. Good to see, though, that the uh, cycle of Ryan Fitzpatrick continues to be golden. Yeah. Be the backup. Play well as the backup. Get a contract. Be bad. Get released. Sign as a backup. Be the backup. Play games as the backup. (laughs) Play well. Get a contract from another team to be the starter. Be bad as the starter. Get released. <laughs> Sign as a backup. Be the backup. Starter gets hurt somehow. Hey, at least this time, at least this time it's only two years. Didn't you sign, what, a two-year deal? Still. He gets a contract. Yeah. So what's next? <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. Good old Fitzmagic. Ryan Fitzpatrick, the ultimate journeyman. Yeah. At least he earns it. Yeah, he does. You know, he plays well as a backup, and he, he impresses another team, and they go, okay, let's go. And, and the Bills like, threw wait. a bunch of money at him. Yeah. But it's an interesting business model, I'm just saying. Yeah. But it's also very, very like cyclical and consistent, unlike his play. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see. The Miami Dolphins with Ryan Tannehill. It's not the first time the Bills will have faced him as an AFC East rival, but as a Dolphin, that's going to feel weird. All right, so what else, Frank, is there to mention 
about the freaking Sabres at this point. They won a game. Congrats. <laughs> they won a game. Hold the presses. Yeah. And who do they play next? They We're at the point of the season where I don't know off the top of my head. I can't, yeah. Give me one second. We made it. Yay. <laughs> Crap. <laughs> they play Wednesday <laughs> against Toronto. That's here, though. That's here. Oh, boy. They still got to play Toronto. So they're playing against Toronto. Tra- so they're playing on the road against Toronto at Buffalo. Pretty much. At KeyBank Center. Yep. I think, though, that there's uh, – I'm not going to give them a great chance, but they have a halfway decent chance of finally winning two games in a row. Yeah. Because Toronto has turned into a bit of a dumpster fire lately. Kind of like the Sabres. Hey, just losing not as six worse. Straight. Yeah. I mean, the Sabres lost six straight. Yeah. Toronto gave up six goals and won a game. Seriously, Philadelphia had Toronto dead to rights, mm-hmm. and Toronto comes back to win seven to six. Yeah, that's disgusting. Mm-hmm. It is, it really is. I mean, I know Philly's used to heartbreak, but that's just ridiculous. And that kind of ended the rest of the chase for them because now it's really coming down to uh, Montreal, Columbus, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh and Columbus are ahead of the pack. I still think that Columbus should have traded Panarin and Bobrovsky, but... Yeah, Philly's still... Mm. It's still hovering for them. Yeah, but still. They'd have to go on another tear. Yeah. But... It's actually more Montreal, Columbus, and Carolina. Oh, right, Carolina. I forget. Pittsburgh's at 88 points right now, and that's locked into third. And the Metro so, Carolina's so at 85. So Carolina and Pittsburgh are fighting for third. Slash wild card. Columbus is at 84. Montreal's three points back at Columbus at 81. And then Philly's at 78. So it's really coming down to the abs and the Blue Jackets, really. Pretty much. You know, I've been really trying to. But what's up with Toronto, though? Like, they've not been good in this most recent stretch. And their backup goaltender calls the team out saying that they're lacking emotion. That's a showstopper for anyone on a team to say that. The fact that it's the backup the fact that it's the backup goaltender who's played in 17 games this year and has not been good throughout no is the one saying it that kind of makes it a little more eye-popping i mean does he have a right to say it yes does sparks also have to play better to really be able to earn the right to say that yes that's a definite yes yeah We saw the Leafs do something that not many teams have done this year. Get humiliated by the Ottawa Senators. And this is post-Stone and Duchesne. Mm-hmm. There's whispers in Toronto about firing Babcock, which, as a Sabres fan that was left at the altar by Babcock, I'm feeling perplexed by that very notion but if the Leafs collapse and lose handedly in the first round to Boston well we might have some real conversations see that's see it's part of that 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 I feel like they can do better well so I gotta bring up a tweet real quick give me one you bring up the tweet and I will go I got all right I got it up I got it up Darren Millard Put up, put a tweet up, said, my opinion, the Toronto Maple Leafs aren't having 
issues because they are weak or smaller. The players are either, one, not listening to the coaches, or two, not grasping what the coaches are telling them or a combo of both. The more this continues, the more Babcock can say, your way or mine. And this was coming off of that 6-2 to loss to Ottawa. He said this on Saturday night. I tweeted, I quoted it, said, I because I'm still trying to figure out the Sabres and what this season has been, why it's gone this way. We Obviously, there's simple answers too, but I think that what Millard said about Toronto can also be said about the Sabres. And now here comes the, uh, the other side of the sword there. If there's a realistic conversation that you could have about Mike Babcock and a playoff team and the player's not listening and therefore the coach could be at risk of being fired, why is it so perplexing that the Sabres can't have that same conversation about a coach who has them on a worse pace since November yeah. than their last place finish last but that's, year? But that's the que- but that's the question, though, of... Like I said, it's, a, it's it, the so- other it's, side of the sword. It's the other side of the sword, but it's still a question of which one is it? Are, are you blaming the coach for the struggles, or are you blaming the players for not listening to the coach. It it's for me it's always both. Nobody's perfect here. Yeah. There's there's no one person or entity that you can throw the blame at here. Yeah, and if you're having the similar talks and if you're having those talks in Toronto, which these are still all it's still all fans doing this. There's no talk of it out of the Leafs organization. There's no talk about Sabres organization about their coaches getting fired and everything. Internally, we don't know, and we're not going to know. But this is all based on specul- based on reactions out of the fan bases. Yes. So you still also have to take that for what you will. And obviously the media, too. I mean, the media at least knows partially what goes on in the locker rooms. Yes. It's just one of those things, though, where you're looking at it and you think, they're having the conversation in Toronto. Yeah. We're having this conversation in Buffalo. Two teams with very different spots in the standings. Yeah. So maybe it's not all that damning as a whole if Housley gets fired after his second season. Because it's happening elsewhere in the league. The only difference with Babcock is obviously this is his fourth year. And they've been in the playoffs for three years? This would be their third straight year, yeah. So, again, yes, I know. It's the Toronto market. It's always more intense there. Yeah. Hockey mecca. You know, not not, not wrong. It. Not buying it. They're not wrong. You're not wrong, but it's the media that over... Oh, yeah. ...perpetrates it's... their holier-than-thou feeling in Toronto. Oh, Yeah. But they're having that conversation with a playoff team. Therefore, it should not be a damning case on a coach or people that want the coach to remain. I don't know who those people are at this point. It shouldn't be as damning there that these whispers should be coming for Phil Housley. Yeah. As I said, I still don't think it's – the right idea to fire him unless the only way I the only way I think he like I said the only way I think he gets fired in the off season is if Bottrell talks to him and sees that Housley is not going in the same direction that he is that's the only way yeah if Bottrell and Housley have a one-on-one when the season is over and they're still on the same path together He's not going to fire him. Yeah. It doesn't matter about the results. They could just look at The results are pretty bad. Though. The results are bad, but once again, They're that, terrifying. that's going to tell, but if, but that would tell me that they think it's the players more than it's the coach. Fair. At least management does. And, and Batra will convince ownership likewise. You know what was encouraging, though, or has been encouraging? Alex Nealander kind of looking like the first-round pick he should he, be. Yeah, I've. 
really been impressed by in the last his last uh, couple games, and also the fact that he's still here even after Eichel came back. That was a good first suspension. Sign. But yeah. I thought that the Dallas game was one of his better games. Yeah, I thought he played really well. He played really well against Dallas. I thought Tage Thompson played really well against Dallas, and then uh, it was just one of those things though where like he remained on the team. I'm like, okay, yeah. that's a step in the right direction. Yeah. And Nealander took another step. Yeah. Against St. Louis, and I'm just, yeah, no. I'm for it here. He's sniffing the glue. The Sabers haven't. <laughs> I sniffed. texted you. You that. know what? The, the thing is that the Sabers haven't been sniffing the glue. Yeah. That's that's the problem. That's their problem. They haven't been sniffing the glue. <laughs> the ten game win streak. They were sniffing the glue. Still one of the dumbest slip stopped. ups I've ever had of all time. And then they stopped. They stopped sniffing the glue. Yes, I know you get a headache from that. I mean, how would I know that? <laughs> <laughs> but no, Nealander is starting to stick. Yes, he He's is sticking. Nice. And nice, yes. staying on the glue thing. Yes, that Don't. was where I was going at with it. Don't do drugs. Don't do it. But no, he's he's been looking good and he's sticking around. The more he sticks around. And we, if he sticks around to the end of the year and continues to play in a similar role, the more you're you might gonna, have a guy in your top six for next year that you don't have to replace. I got you have a prospect that you're not trading because he's struggling. Not to mention you have a guy in your top six who you don't have to go out and get at worst in your or even just at worst in your top nine. Doesn't matter who. Just, and they need a piece there still. They need guys. They need guys for that role. Yeah. If he you're, continues to play well the way that he's been playing with Sherry and Rodriguez. Yeah. If they add another piece next year, well, it guess may what? Very well, that it, might be your that might that, be your third line. Here's the thing, that and that that piece, obviously, we know where that's where that is. Middlestat Thompson, guy, guy, guy on your left wing, and I think it's still very likely because it's a winger. It's coming from within. In C.J. Smith, okay. I would expect it. I want to see Olafson make the roster too, but I think with him be, still being, I believe he is 23, and this is only his first year in North America, I'll give him a pass for another year if he stays at Rochester, especially if Nealander wins the spot. So this is the other part that I've been that I've been thinking of, and we need to really consider for what the, for the kind of moves the Sabres are going to make. I think I don't think they're going to make as big moves as we hope they do or want them to do because next year Seattle. Yep. Expansion draft again. You and got, the and rules, you got different priorities to protect. The rules are the same. Is what it's sounding like. Obviously Vegas is exempt from it for some reason whatever. I don't care. I'm not not going to go into that. But their protection list would be pretty easy anyway. Yeah, it would. But whatever, whatever. I believe because the rules would be are the same as they were when when Vegas in the Vegas expansion draft. Darlene and Middlestat might be exempt. They will be. Yeah, they will have not played their third their third full professional season. Exactly. Yet. That's going to make things a lot easier. A for lot the easier, Sabres. but not as easy as it was to protect Eichel and Reinhardt. Oh, yeah. And have less players that you had to worry about protecting. But then if you go right now, so if you go right now and assume Darlene and Middlestat are exempt, and even put in Pilot in the mix. I don't know about Pilot because obviously he's older. But let's say Pilot is exempt at the same time. Based on the roster right now, you're protecting Jeff Skinner, Jack Eichel, Reinhardt, Sherry, Rodriguez, you're going to protect any defenseman there, bud. Brandon Montour? Well, seven forwards, three defensemen, one goalie. That would that would probably oh, be the okay. route. I'm thinking about the eight skaters thing. No, you're probably going seven three one. So obviously, Olmark's the goalie you're protecting. Your three defensemen are Montour, Ristolainen, and McCabe. If they yeah, if they decide on McCabe if, instead of Bogosian, yeah. I would imagine. Well, Bogosian is a free agent next year. That's true. Remember, Bogosian, Scandella. Honwick and Saboka are all free agents next year. They're done. They're gone. Their contracts are up. 
So you don't have to worry about any of them. But you have those five as well, and then two more. Is it – I mean, probably Tage Thompson. You're probably exposing Kyle Poso. You want – you probably you probably do. What all, there's obviously other variations because C.J. Smith's there. Uh, I don't know what's going to be up with Nylander. I think They're, because Nylander's played professional hockey, he might hit the game threshold. We'll have to see. It, especially really, if it pl- really all depends on next year. Especially if he sticks next year. Yeah, it all really depends on next year. If he him. sticks next year, he's one of the must-protects. Yeah. So Also because he's finally stuck on the roster. Yeah. So but what you're looking at is they're probably going to lose Casey Nelson in the expansion draft. Or if they Seattle decides to take Carter Hutton. I would... I would try to bribe them to take a postal's contract. I would try to pay a pick for it. I think you will, but it all depend on if they want if Seattle wants to do it, it or, or it's going to be. Well, Seattle saw really, what Vegas did. Why not do the same thing? Or I'm what I'm or I'm saying is, are the Sabers willing to give up a first round pick? The question to would do be. It? The question would be, what's their draft capital and Arsenal going to look like at that point, and exactly. what's the team going to look like? Exactly. If that, if for example they end up with another first round pick, you easily give one of them up. You could, although the way I don't think that's gonna happen. Again, I'm but, just stating things. Right, you're yeah. But say they become buyers at the deadline next year. Oh, that'd be nice. Um, then you're looking at a different story. Yeah. And then absolutely they're but not. But that's going why to... you got to. But that but my whole thing is you got to. But some watch... players get taken. That have high cap hits, just so the team can hit the expansion team could hit the cap floor. That happens. It will. So it will. We'll see what happens. There. It will. Um, unfortunately, the Buffalo Buttes couldn't win another championship. That would have been nice. They lost two on in overtime. That hurt. Puck goes in off of the stick of a Buttes defender mm-hmm. after a faceoff, and well, that's just a pretty Buffalo way, unfortunately, to lose. A championship. Welcome to the crowd, uh, Buttes. Welcome to the pain index. That's what happens when you're a professional team in Buffalo. You become like the rest of us and get hurt in ways that are not your fault, but they end up off of you anyway. They still won a championship. They've still won a championship. They've been to four Isabel Cup championships. Come on, close it, damn it. (laughs) But, no, they had a great season as well, and – to be yeah. able to storm back after canning your head coaches. Cody McCormick does did Cody a great McCormick job. did a great job actually putting this team back and rebounding to help the girls get back to the Isabel Cup championship. Like that's that's not easy to do. Even even with a five team league, it's not easy. You had fired your coaching staff and you brought in Cody McCormick and, you know, there's you know, some teams could give up on those sorts of things, and the Buttes didn't. So good job for them to have made it to the championship, to bring it to overtime. Unfortunately, they couldn't win it. Yeah. But they had a good season, and they're fun to watch. UB Bulls, let's see what happens here. March Madden is about to begin. It starts Thursday, like the real thing. Mm-hmm. The round of 64 yes. starts Thursday. The actual madness. The real madness begins. I mean, it's not like those first four play, like the playing games don't bring drama. No, but, but the madness. The round of 64 begins Thursday. When you've got we will pick five our different TV stations playing basketball all day. We will do brackets. And we'll try to drag another member of WGR in here with us yeah. to do so. What, when I was in high school, it was, I think it was around the 2010 or 2011 year with March Madness. One of my, cla- one of my classes literally went into a room where we could watch March Madness while during it, during the class. I'm jealous. <laughs> Watch the morning what, games. What do you have expectation-wise for these teams? 
for UB? Well, we have to see where the women's are because their selection, they're going to find out where they where they are in the bracket today. Right. I feel like for the women, the round of 32 is a success. Yes. Win a, ga- win a game. Uh, if you get out of the weekend, fantastic. You, you've matched your pace from last year. Yeah. To get it, to would, the Sweet it would also depend where they are. Obviously, they were a four seed in the max, so I don't know how high of a seed they're going to get. But being back-to-back MAC champions and being in the Sweet 16 last year should give them a resume where maybe they'll end up with like an eight at highest. Because where, where were they last year? At like an 11 or a 12? Really? No, last year. I don't remember. I don't remember where they were last year. That's one. That's one. But I could see them being eight at the highest, maybe at the lowest, 10 or 11. Okay, but remember, it's all that's also based on this year too. But then again, we also thought the men's team would get a five. And then you got a six <laughs> for the men's team. Win the first game. For me, I think I need them to get to After the Sweet Sixteen. I've seen how good this team is at this point that I'm convinced. Matchup, but the matchup would still depend on that too because if they they win, they would they're very they're more likely to face the three seed who is Texas Tech, and they're good. But if they can't get out of that, you're talking like then. I you're, feel like they can though because you feel like they yeah you, we do because, feel like they can because yeah. last year they, they show up Kentucky with Arizona really well. yeah they show up against Arizona and they knock the they snot run. out of them yeah and then they go up and you just mentioned they show up against Kentucky and make it a game and doing that against Kentucky as a mid major is not easy and now all those players they lost one player from that team Wes Clark for, to graduation. Those guys are all seniors here, the core. They've got two guys that are legitimate candidates to be NBA draft picks in C.J. Massenburg and Jeremy Harris. I want to see them make the Sweet 16, get out of the weekend. That's my expectation for them. Would it be a bit of a bust? Yeah, I would say so. I'd say it's a bit of a bust if they don't make it out of the uh, first weekend. Out of the round of 32. Because upsets happen. Why not the Bulls? Yeah. Yeah. Because I think that they're talented enough that they can do it. It's just going to be a matter of, are your shots from beyond the arc going to fall? Yeah. They are a team that they live by the three, they die by the three. Like I said, though, Texas, if they, assuming they play Texas Tech – it's a very, it's gonna be a still very tough matchup. They're a three yes. C for a reason. They're a three C for a reason, but I think They're the good Bulls team. should get their due rights. And I think they were. In, I think Texas Tech was in the top ten this year too in rankings. So not the easiest draw, but but at the same time too, they are in. I'm the, feeling kind of good about uh, the fact that they got the six seed based on the matchup that Marquette got. Yeah. In the West, it's Marquette versus Murray State. Yeah. A team that a lot of people are saying they could do something. So we'll see what happens. And then uh Florida State plays Vermont. That's the four thirteen in the West. And uh the bad news is, is that once you get through that, like say you beat Texas Tech, your likely opponent, probably Michigan. Yeah, but a lot of people are saying that Michigan's not as strong. Are you saying they're a phony two seed? They're probably in the phony region because Gonzaga's looked at as the weakest one seed. Because a lot of the committee thought that because Gonzaga was a one seed, they fought they they wanted Michigan State. In the in Gonzaga's region as a two seed because Michigan State's looked at as the strongest second seed, but they put, but Michigan State is in. They're in the east. They're in the east with Duke, who's the number one overall seed in the tournament. <laughs> well, someone's got to stop them. Why not the strongest two seed? Yeah. <laughs> so. Oh, Virginia made a one seed again. Think they get upset by a sixteen? Gardner Webb, maybe. We'll see. <laughs> but 
But I think that there's a chance, though, that uh, – There is a chance. Buff- Buffalo is in the region where they could make a run. But they – But Texas Tech is what you're saying is probably the biggest obstacle in their way. From what you're saying. You're saying it's if very you're saying likely. get by Texas Tech and if things you can get be... by if you can get by Texas Tech into the Sweet 16, the sky's the limit for the kind of like last year. If you could get by Kentucky, UMBC happened. Yeah, I remember thinking, I'm like, okay, they beat Arizona. Holy crap! Virginia just dookied all over the floor. Beat Kentucky. This could be magical. They yeah. didn't, Michigan, but Michigan they made a game be, out of it. Michigan could be a winnable game if they play Michigan because Michigan beats Montana, Nevada, and assuming Nevada beats Florida, Nevada could beat Michigan. I think Florida could beat Michigan. Florida's pretty good. Yeah. And not, it's nothing against Michigan. It's just they're, look, they're not – it's just they don't seem, like, as strong as they were, like, last year two years ago. And then Gonzaga – Gonzaga would have to face the winner of Syracuse and Baylor, and I would pick Syracuse to win that game. But Syracuse is weaker than their usual years. But they play. But they still play you tough. Yeah, they're gonna play you really tough because Bayheim's a great coach. I mean, I, I didn't see UB have problems with them this year, but Syracuse also gave Duke, gave Duke a run. They did. That's right. So on one hand, <laughs> on one hand. On one hand, UB didn't have too many problems with Syracuse. On the other, Duke did have problems with Syracuse. Yeah. Therefore, by transitive property, UB should handle Duke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's my logic, and I'm sticking to it. And I'm ending it there. Okay. The women, we find out what seed they get today, and we'll see what happens there. I mean... Sabres, they play against Toronto on the road at Key Bank Center. Yes, I said it like that because it's probably going to be 75% Leaf fans. Which, well, I guess that's just going to happen. Welcome to this season's end. The Bills, we'll see where they go draft-wise. That's still a while away. So maybe they sign another free agent or do something else. Like, you know, steal the headlines again. I doubt that they do that, but they could still add some players. They could still do what they want in that regard as well. Thanks for listening to Leftovers Podcast. Derek Kramer. Frank R. Curry. And we'll be back on Thursday to pick our brackets, see who does better and can laugh at the other. And uh, we'll go from there. Enjoy your March Madness as it begins on Thursday. If you want to take in the Sabres game on Wednesday, well, you're a brave soul. I commend you and enjoy that as well. Other than that, well, we'll see you next time. Peace out. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.